Hi, and welcome to the Filmmaker's Compass podcast. This is a total rewind edition. I'm Dustin, joined by Christian. How are you doing, man? I'm good, dude. How are you? You know, um, I did an intro right here, and I did our actual names, even though we're known on uh, Twitter and social media as D-Man and CP. (laughs) Well, I mean, I just figured, you know, people should know our actual names. Uh, You know, (laughs) D-Man just refers to uh, Dustin. D-Man and CP is your initials. So for anybody that doesn't know, that's where our nicknames come from. Yep. How about that? <laughs> so how are you doing today? Um, you excited good, about this, uh, this new kind of format podcast that we're going to introduce? I'm actually really excited about it. I think it's going to be a fun way for us to talk about some of the movies that we love. Exactly. And for anybody that doesn't uh, know exactly how all this works, uh, Christian and I have been hosting a podcast called Filmmakers Compass Podcast, where we've been interviewing different filmmakers and working professionals in the film industry. But we also do kind of a secondary podcast called Total Rewind, where it's just D-Man and CP talking about the movies that we love. And today we're going to kind of reintroduce Total Rewind under a little bit of a new format. So if you listen to one of the older episodes, it was about uh, Home Alone. And it wasn't really uh, flowing the way that we had intended when we originally uh, kind of pitched the idea of Total Rewind. And Christian, you can you can expound on this. I mean, you and I had originally kind of come up with this idea because every time we talk on the phone or we go for a walk or we meet up for dinner, we always talk movies. That's just yeah, and, our personalities. And and we were thinking, you know, there's a lot of great movies that filmmakers should see. But if you go to film school like us, you don't see. And so we were like, if we were to teach a film class, what is all the fi- movies that we would show filmmakers that they haven't seen in film school, but they definitely should if they want to make movies? Yeah. And they're the movies, I guess the way I would describe it is like the movies that we love. They're not necessarily um, you know, I think the perfect example of a film school movie is always like Citizen Kane, right? It still gets taught. And of course, you know, it's contributions to filmmaking, cinematography, and a whole number of things, you know, will never go away. But it's such an old movie, and a lot of people describe it as boring, where we wanted to talk about, you know, the movies that we either grew up on or saw in theaters and had experiences with ourselves. Yeah. What influenced us as filmmakers? So I'm happy to introduce that on this new episode of Total Rewind, we will be going over uh, different movies, and we're going to do that by selecting different topics and listing our top three things within that topic. So it might be something like, you know, top three characters or, you know, quotes or special effects. I mean, it could vary, you know, theme, you know, if it's like Star Wars, it could be theme music, whatever it is, you know. And I think that will be a lot of fun. Um, You know, lists are fun. And, you know, hopefully you and I have some varying uh, differences in how we would rank things. Hopefully. (laughs) Otherwise, it's going to be a really boring episode. (laughs) Right? So we'll find out. But, uh, you know, also, it's a lot of fun because to throw it to you guys, our listeners, um, you'll be able to take these lists and create your own. And be sure to send them to us on social media You know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you want to comment or message us. And in the future, we're hoping that, you know, we'll be able to do some shout outs on this show and talk about some of the feedback that you guys have sent us and uh, make this a little bit more interactive. So I think that'll be great. And I'm really excited. I don't know. 
Christian, you want me to throw it over to you? You want to introduce the movie for this week's show? No, man, you do it. You picked it, so go with it. All right. Well, I'm really excited. Uh, this is actually a movie that I believe you and I saw in the theater together. Yep. Yep. Um, it was before our junior year of high school. I don't know. Not high ago. school, college, college. Uh, the movie is super bad. Super um, it bad. Was, it was released in 2007. Um, you know, it's a comedy classic. And it stars Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, Christopher Mintzpass, Bill Hader, Seth Rogen, Emma Stone, and Martha McIsaac. This movie's directed by Greg Matola, who, I don't know if you know, he's done episodes of Arrested Development. He did the film Adventureland, yeah. and also the uh, Seth Rogen film Paul, about the alien. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see that? I did not. I did. It was strange. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, maybe that'll be a movie, you know, one day that'll end up on Total Rewind. We'll see. But um, this movie, Superbad, was also written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. And fun fact, they actually wrote the characters of Seth and Evan for themselves. So obviously Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. And they had written this when yeah. they were younger and had intended for themselves to be in the starring roles, but uh, too much time had passed between when they wrote it and when it was going to get made. And they ended up opting to cast other people, but still that's pretty neat. Right. And I just love it when screenwriters can really personalize movies that way. And um, I think it brings a whole new level when you're watching it, you know, exactly. And this movie is produced by Judd Apatow. So it often gets associated as an Apatow film. He didn't actually direct it. Obviously Greg did. But um, it does kind of fit that vein, that kind of uh, almost improv style of the Apatow films, right? Yeah, it feels that way. Exactly. exactly. So I'm really excited because Superbad, for me, is one of my all-time favorite comedy classics. Watching it in the theater was a great experience because it was oh, packed and everybody was dying laughing. I mean, it's just one of those films that holds up really well, and I still watch it to this day. And I was going to say, I think one of the things that blows me away is so many comedies, when you rewatch them years later, start to feel dated. And they did a really great job of making the humor in this film so evergreen, even through the production value, right? Everyone drives old cars. Um, there's not a lot of technology in it that, that you look at and you cringe that, you know, so much time has passed. It feels very timeless. And I think, you know, even the, the funk, 70s funk music soundtrack, right? All exactly. these things keep the movie um, kind of beyond the early 2000s. And I think that's really cool. I mean, other than the one MySpace line, everything else <laughs> feels like it could happen today. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's it's held up really well in the, you know, even though it's funny because like there's so much cursing and kind of like foul humor in the movie. Uh, it really works. And yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll talk more about that. But let's go ahead and jump into our uh, our first list on this new format for Total Rewind. And that first right, list good. is going to be top three characters. So I'll go ahead and take the lead on this one. And uh, I'm going to jump in. And number three on my list is the character of Jules, which oh, okay. uh, she's okay. played by Emma Stone. And what I really appreciate about this character is they do a little inversion at the end, which basically she is the catalyst for the party that sets off the plot. Right. 
the you know the plot of Superbad is that she comes to one of the main characters, Seth, and asks him if he can get alcohol for a party while her parents are out of town, and he agrees to do it, and that kind of is the adventure of the night, right? They're trying to get booze for this party, but what I really appreciate appreciate about the character of Jules is one, she kind of has that same foul mouthed humor that Seth does, and we do, right, as young yeah. adolescent males at the time. Uh, and you can respect that. She also, what really works is at the end, after going on this huge adventure to get alcohol and hopefully hooking up with her, Seth finds out that she doesn't drink. Um, she just wanted the alcohol for the party. She wanted to throw the party, but she doesn't drink. And it comes as you know a major shock to him because this whole night had been pre like predicated on booze. Yeah. And good I thought they used that character really well. Definitely. That's a good one. So number two on my list is Officer Slater. So <laughs> I have to pick him because he has a couple of the, the lines and the scenes in the movie that just cracked me up. Like there's a scene, you know, obviously uh, when he's interviewing McLovin at the liquor store, <laughs> You know, he's like, what do you, you know, what do you mean this old or whatever? And my, one of my favorites, though, is when he's at the uh, when they're at the bar and he's talking about he's like, I met my first wife at this bar <laughs> and <laughs> he starts going into his rant. And he's like, yeah, on the wedding night, I found out she was a uh, she was an actual whore. And, you know, he's like, I found her having a gangbang somewhere. And he's like, I wasn't even a part of it. And Seth Rogen's character is all, you know, I was. And like, <laughs> they're just like. They're so stupid together, Officer Slater and Officer Michaels. But Slater's the one who, you know, kind of explains to McLovin at the end that um, them bringing McLovin along was kind of his idea because he wanted to show young kids that, you know, cops can be cool, too. And I thought that was really relatable as a character that, you know, they weren't just these dumb, stupid cops that were, you know, reckless and you're like whatever they were like no i mean we were trying to show this guy that you know hey like we may be cops but we like to have fun and we're still people and you know it really gave the character heart and i liked that yeah so number one on my list though my favorite character is mclovin <laughs> so i have to pick him first of all because he's you know such a nerd and so relatable but he shows up with you know his new idea id that allows him to buy alcohol. And he changed his name to the one name name, which is McLovin. And they end up having a total blow up about that. But he's the one who gets to go on the adventures with the cops, which I think is like one of the best B stories of all time in a comedy. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's hilarious at the end when he's having sex, you know, his famous quote where he's like, it's in, you know, and <laughs> he, uh, you know, does all the fun things he gets, you know, he gets to buy alcohol underage. He gets, you know, drunk. He has sex. He, he gets helps. punched in the face. Yeah, he gets punched in the face. He gets to fire a gun. He, you know, <laughs> he just has so much fun in this story. And uh, yeah, it's just one for the books. So he's my favorite character. But um, I'm going to no. throw it over to you. Let's hear your top three characters. All right. My number three character is actually the second officer in the police officer duo. And that is Officer Michaels and played by Seth Rogen. I just think that he, I mean, obviously him and Bill Hader have a fantastic chemistry. They do. And he, 
he, he you know there's some parts in the movie that he is just hilarious like when he's chasing after michael sarah and he's he's getting winded and he's claiming that he's the fastest <laughs> ever. or um you know the part when they break up the party at the end and he's walking around yelling at all the kids saying i i assume that you all have guns and uh, cocaine <laughs> <laughs> guns and crack right i just you know it's it's a brilliant role and considering that in many ways uh that character was not necessarily created originally with seth rogan in mind i think he really found a way to just take over and make it his own and and it's probably my favorite seth rogan performance oh i totally agree he was awesome uh second favorite character is the character of seth and the reason why is um, and Dustin, I'm sure you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I say it. I feel that we've all had a Seth in our life, uh, especially growing up in high school. And, um, you yep. know, I, I'm not even going to mention his name, but I know he's listening. And I know he knows who he is. And I just think that Jonah Hill totally embodies that guy, that guy that we all knew in high school, that guy that we all have sort of had in our group of friends. And I think it's such from a screenwriting perspective, he's written so brilliantly. Um, but the way he's performed, I just, I think it's, I think it's, it's, uh, it's flawless. You know, it's a character who is so superficial and so selfish. And when we peel yep. back the layers, we know that it's really because he's scared and he's insecure and he's worried about losing his friends. And I'm yeah. like, that, and that's a totally natural feeling when you're coming to the end of high school because so much change happens, you know, right away. And I just think it's a brilliant, brilliant character. Um, and then, like you, obviously, my number one is is McLovin because really he he steals the show. You know, his Fogel personality is hilarious, and again, it's another character that we we've all met in real life. His transformation into McLovin is is something that we root for the entire time. And um, we're really happy that he kind of embodies this alter ego. And even at the end when he's getting arrested and, and pulled out of the party, you're like, yes, you did it, man. I'm proud of you. Um, yeah, I always love that line where he's like, you know, he starts off with the cops. He's like totally timid and just sitting in the back being quiet. And then later they get the call to go to the party and they're like, McLovin, you care if we stop by this party? He's like, yeah, let's show these bitches how we roll. And <laughs> he's like totally embraced that character. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I, I think he's one of my favorite characters in a comedy ever. Yeah, he's he's a classic. So excellent list. Totally respect that. And uh, I think that's great. So our next topic is going to be top three funny scenes. Now, you know, do you want to switch this up? You want me to just go ahead and do my list yeah. again? I'll I'll pop off and then and then you go. We can just rotate right. down. Sounds good. Um, my third favorite scene is the scene where Fogel is watching the girl walk down the hall, and he's watching her underwear, and she oh, turns it around. Yeah, and oh he yeah. Pulls up his watch and he says, "It says 10:33," and she just <laughs> looks at him like what? And he just he doesn't say anything. He just freezes and turns around and runs. Every single time I see that part, I just die. <laughs> that is a great scene. Because who hasn't, not not that I'm saying like who hasn't got caught looking, but just who hasn't been in a situation where you're like, I don't know what to say. And you're like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to bounce. And, and just the way he runs, like he totally throws his arms into it. Like I'm like, that is just great physical comedy. My second favorite is when Seth and Evan show up 
outside of the supermarket where they're picking up Fogel. And they're they're all excited. They're going to go buy the booze. And Fogel shows up wearing a vest. <laughs> the Aladdin vest. This whole idea of like, oh my gosh, this guy has no idea what it's like to actually be an adult, you know? Um, and then, you know, it obviously there's great banner between the three of them. And then that scene kind of um, evolves into um, when Jonah Hill decides that he needs to go steal the alcohol himself. And I think that's funny. Well, and I love, you know, they, they're playing that like heavy, like seventies funk music as they get off the bus and then they show him walk up and they just have Seth's yeah. mouth like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it's so good. Um, and then obviously my favorite, which um, I know is definitely on your list is where Fogel shows them his fake ID and reveals a single name McLovin and that his second choice was the most you know, popular name on the planet, Mohammed, and Seth and Evan just can't believe the stupidity in, in, in this choice. And I just, yep. I think it's golden. Well, I mean, I'll go ahead and jump in right there because number three on my list is getting the license scene with McLovin. So <laughs> it is that scene, um, which is amazing because it really kind of sets the you know, the whole thing in motion. They got the license, but it's all, you already know how this plot's going to unfold. It's not going to go according to plan. That's why it's such a great scene is because right away they're like, McLovin, like, why would you pick that name? And he goes on his rant about like Muhammad and like all this stuff. And it just, it, you, you're like, yeah, this is exactly how everything they try to do tonight is going to go. It's all going to be terrible. <laughs> Exactly. So number two on my list of top three funny scenes is actually the convenience store scene at the very beginning when uh, Seth and Evan are on their way to school and they stop off and they're just getting some snacks. And, you know, I think, you know, he has Evan buying the stuff. But the reason I love the the scene so much is the way they talk. And I remember. Yeah. Like. They they curse. They're just talking really raunchy and I, I remember thinking I'm like that's how like young boys talk that's yeah. like it sounds real yeah I don't know there was something about that that just for me rang so true that it just made me like those characters and it, I thought it was a great opening scene I mean it sets up you know what they want which is to try to get laid before college starts so they can start to get some experience and mm-hmm. kind of already, I think during that conversation, they start talking about, you know, where Evan's going to be going to college and who he's living with next year. And it's still up in the air. So they're kind of, you know, opening these arcs that are going to need to be closed. It's just a really well done scene. And obviously it's hilarious. Yeah, no, for sure. And number one for me is um, the scene where Evan has to sing These Eyes by the Guess Who. <laughs> that is a good scene. So they end up, you know, after getting a ride uh, from a stranger to a party when he tells them. So basically, like, I think Seth gets hit by a car and this guy's like, hey, 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 let's try and handle this like off the books. And he's like, I need booze or a lot of money. And he's like, I'll get you booze. So they go to this party and Evan ends up uh, bailing, but he comes back and he gets stuck in this room with these guys. And they're kind of like, you know, hey, who is this guy? He's kind of like, I don't know what to say. And somebody just kind of bails him out and is like, that's what's his name's brother. Jimmy's like, brother. Yeah. Jimmy's brother. Yeah. And they're all like, oh, yeah, 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 OK, you're Jimmy's brother. And he's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And they're like, sing for us. Like and he <laughs> does that 
that little version where he's like up there, he's got his hand following the beat. They don't even play like an instrumental or anything in the background. He just has to yeah. like, and it's like a terrible acapella version. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, there it is. These eyes, <laughs> these eyes are a and then he like goes on, and you're like, oh my god. And who hasn't heard that song? I I wouldn't have known it was by the Guess Who, but I'm like, I know that song. Oh, totally. And that to me, every single time I see it, it is hilarious. All right. So our next topic for Super Bad is going to be top three quotable lines from the movie. Now, this movie is incredibly quotable, so we can't possibly get to all of them. No, no way. I mean, I'll go ahead and um, kick it off. So number three on my list is fuck my life. And... (laughs) That's the quote from when McLovin is inside the liquor store. He's going to try to buy liquor and he drops the bottle and it breaks. And, uh, <laughs> dude's cleaning up. yeah, the, the guy comes to clean it up and he's like, sir, did you do this? And he's like, no. And you should really clean this up because somebody <laughs> could get hurt. And <laughs> he goes to the front. And it just cuts back to this, this convenience store guy. And he's just like, fuck my life. <laughs> and I don't know that just, Always hits good, and I remember the reaction in the theater. It was a perfect joke. Landed, you know, the guy just looks totally miserable. It was awesome. Yeah, and the way he says it, yeah, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> um, number two on my list is actually probably one of the most quotable lines from Superbad, and that is, I am McLovin. <laughs> and it's basic, uh, but, you know, kind of embodies that character. And, of course, McLovin is one of the most kind of, like, most famous phrases from super bad but it's just a classic line and uh it's fun it's not the most hilarious line but it just that's his first step into the transformation of that character yeah so and then my favorite quote this is one that's uh it's pretty raunchy but uh, it is actually one of my favorites and going back you know to reference the scene in the convenience store at the beginning it it just felt like the way that like young boys talk or even like teenage boys talk and the quote is i don't want to suck dick at fucking pussy (laughs) (laughs) and it's just it's a hilarious quote it's raunchy but i was like yeah i wouldn't say that but there's one of my friends would totally say that i could hear it um yeah no i can um for me my third favorite line is the one right after Seth and, and Jules are kind of talking after he mistakenly thinks she's drunk and she reveals she's not. Um, she says, are you crying? And he goes, no, I'm not crying. I just have something in both my eyes. <laughs> and every time I hear that, I laugh. And I think that's a great line. I mean, that's a line I use myself when, uh, uh, you know, when I'm like, oh, this is so sad. I'm not crying. You know, um, I just think it's funny. Yep. my second well favorite. Executed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. Um, and that's a great scene. My second favorite line is from McLovin when he walks into home ec class with uh, Seth and Evan and he walks in. He's like, gangsta, what's up, guys? <laughs> Just because I remember after this movie came out, people would walk into rooms and, and say that to everybody. And, you know, um, it's just like the the epitome of Fogel at that moment. Like if you see that line that, that played out, you're like, I got this guy. I don't need anything more. I know who this dude is. And I love the teacher in the background. She's like, Fogel, hi. And he's like, geez. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like takes off. Yeah. 
And um, of course, for number one, I went with I Am McLovin just because um, there's only one McLovin in fiction. And not only does the character say that repeatedly as sort of his mantra through the movie, you know, as he's assuming this alter ego, but culturally, if someone says I am McLovin, we know that they are talking about Superbad. And I think that that makes it a powerfully and a quotable line because everyone knows what you're talking about. I just wonder how they came up with the name McLovin. I mean, I don't know if somebody was, you know, they're making fun of like, you know, McDonald's or how that happens, but it's so good. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. Those are my three. All right, well, we'll keep it rolling with you. But next up, we're going to do top three shots, a little bit of cinematography here and kind of see what we liked um, from the way it was filmed. So take it away. Obviously, right. Um, this movie is noted for the screenwriting, for performances. It is not considered a master of cinematography just because kind of it's more of a genre piece. Uh, I So I found a couple shots that I really like that I think kind of are a great way of taking the humor in a scene beyond simply, you know, the blocking and the dialogue. And we're actually using the camera as a tool to enhance the comedy. That was what I was thinking. The first scene that I love is actually the opening scene in the movie. Um, The camera pans up from the ground. It cuts away um, from the opening sequence the credit sequence where they're dancing the camera pans up from the ground as as uh, seth is is driving his total piece of crap hatchback on the yeah. screen he's bumping the the 70s funk music and he just has one hand on the wheel and he's kind of like biting his lip like doing this improv vin diesel and it's hilarious <laughs> but i'm like again with that with that you know 15 second shot we know exactly who the character of seth is going to be and I think it, that's that's great cinema right there. The second one also involves Seth. It's uh, a couple minutes after that end of the movie. It's actually where it starts at up really high. It's at the high school track. Oh, and yeah, okay. He's running in gym and just huffing and puffing, and the camera kind of descends on a crane. And he's running towards us, and all of a sudden, the focus shifts away from him to a kid <laughs> with a prosthetic leg running (laughs) and he's totally blowing past Seth. who's huffing and puffing and he just mumbles pussy. And I think that it is like the, the brilliant use of a camera to enhance the comedy of a scene. Oh yeah. When he's like pussy. Yeah, exactly. Cause if, if, uh, if it wasn't done the way that it was with the camera, I don't think that it would have, the joke would have landed the same way. That's actually a good point. I think you're right there. That makes a lot of sense. And um, the last shot, this actually really doesn't have a lot to do with humor. This is towards the end of the movie, right after um, Seth leaves with Jules and, and uh, Evan stays with Becca. There's a oh, shot yeah, on the escalator where Seth's going down the escalator and we cut away to Evan at the top. And Evan kind of waves to him as the camera descends down with uh you know, the camera descends out of you as it goes down the escalator and, and Evan's gone. And I think that, you know, um, that's sort of an important moment because in this story where these two are kind of worrying about what's their friendship going to be like after high school, where these right. two are kind of, you know, they have the argument er- earlier where they say that they're holding each other back and, and all this stuff. And they wonder why they've been friends for so long. 
it's sort of that moment where we actually see that coming of age moment. They've accepted the fact that they are going to grow up. They're going to be going to different schools and college. Um, they can still be friends without, you know, doing the exact same thing all the time. And I just think it's a great use of, of cinematography to kind of capture that powerful moment be- between these two characters that we've been building to the whole film. Yeah. And it kind of also, you know, embodies the, uh, the lesson learned, right? That we're going to yep. be okay. Yeah. It's going to be different, but we're going to be okay. We're going our different ways, but we're good. Yeah. What do you think? What are your, what are your shots? Well, I do have to do a little honorable mention on this topic. I had one that I wanted to bring up and I just couldn't get it in my top three, but that's the uh, car demolition at the end uh, when they wreck the cop car. <laughs> I love the energy of that scene because the camera is actually going roughly the same speed as the cop car as Officer Slater's speeding up, right? And it kind of feels like you're out of control with him as they do the shot inside the car and then to back out, which I like that one, but it didn't make my top three. Okay, so I got you. Number three on my list is towards the end of the film when Seth's drunk and Jules had just confessed that she doesn't drink and she's like, oh, you know, well, like, why do you think what you think? And he falls over and hits her in the head, right? Yeah. And they have a shot where he's laying like face down on the backyard patio or whatever. And she's leaving in the background and she's like, what the fuck? And she's like walking away. But to me, that shot, I, I can't speak for you, but I'm like, if you've ever been really drunk and you're just stuck somewhere, you're like, that is how that would be. Because the, yeah. the camera, like you can hear her. You can she's blurry in the background, like walking out. And he's like, sorry. And, like, he's just stuck. And the camera's stuck, right? It doesn't move. It doesn't follow her anymore. Yeah, it's like a good it, point. It's jammed on the floor with him. And, yeah, if you've ever been drunk and you're like, oh, I can't do anything, it, that's just how it feels to me. Yeah. Number two on my list is actually going to be uh, a, a little bit different, but it's the security camera footage of McLovin getting punched in the face. Yeah. And I thought that was a great use of kind of using – you know, a camera within the story and then they bring it back and play that footage at the bar. At the bar. And they're all like, man, you can, you know, you know how to take a a punch. And I just thought it was, I always like, you know, if you can use security footage or, you know, something that someone filmed on their phone or whatever and kind of incorporate that in to get a new perspective on the story. And yeah. I thought they, they do that well. How, you know, when he actually gets punched, you know, the guy just grabs the money and runs out and you're kind of like, oh, my God. But now it through the context of him being McLovin, the cops love him. They're like, man, you know how to take a punch like a motherfucker or whatever. And like, <laughs> it, it ends up being like his most glorious moment. Yeah. No, <laughs> so sure. love that shot. And then number one for me, which it's one of the most honestly, it's such a weird, weird scene. It's not a specific shot, but a montage and I don't even know how this got written into the movie, but it's the Dick Lunk lunchbox scene. <laughs> and like, okay. I don't even, I remember in the theater, I think everybody was like, what is happening right now? Like, did this really need to be in this movie? And it kind of just speed goes through him, like drawing dicks. <laughs> uh, he's like, you know, I hit him in this Ghostbusters lunchbox that I had. And like, it just goes through kind of his memories of all of that. But you're like, what the hell? Yeah. And they, they do that montage so well that it's memorable and hilarious and so, so weird. 
Yeah, no, it totally is weird. Those are my top three. Yeah, I think, you know, there's actually, you know, once you look a little closer, there's some really good cinematography in Superbad, even though, like you said, at first glance, it being a comedy, it doesn't normally get recognized for that. Well, and those type of subtle things, I think, are what sets it apart from so many other raunchy teen comedies that, you know, they come out every year and most of them are trash. But the ones that stand apart and really are, you know, these films that in many ways kind of um, culturally change teen comedy. I think it's because they do these things that are beyond just having, you know, raunchy jokes. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, our next topic is actually one that um, kind of a little bit different. It's not necessarily about what happened in the story, but I wanted to do something along the lines of like, you know, these actors and other stuff they've been in. So we're going to do top three other movies that the cast has you know, Benin or starting. So you want to take this one? Sure. Obviously I was taking it when we talked about it. I said just movies. So I'm excluding things like Barry and freaks and geeks. But for me, okay. the third movie is Tropic Thunder, which oh, yeah. the later is in. And I think that is just another brilliant comedy that is, uh, you know, just <laughs> again, so many quotable moments and, and great lines. The second movie is a phenomenal film by martin scorsese the wolf of wall street where oh, jonah, yeah. jonah hill plays a very different character than uh, anything else <laughs> we'd really play up to that time and obviously i mean it's scorsese it's dicaprio like it you know it's it's really a, a, a spectacle classic. of yeah. cinema and the number one choice for me is what i consider to be one of the best sports movies ever made again starring jonah hill and that's moneyball nice yeah moneyball is uh you know it's a really interesting movie it's a little bit more of a you know it's a drama than it is straight up um you know a comedy like a lot of these other films that these guys star in but really well done and uh kind of fascinating if you're into sports at all and totally a different type of sports movie right i mean it's not just about what's happening on the field it's all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes in terms of statistics and team building and, and dynamics. And I just, I think it was fascinating and it's a, uh, you know, it's a great movie. Totally. All right. So top three other movies that the cast has done. Number three on my list is this is the end. Now this movie mm. is actually a little like controversial. The characters are playing themselves kind of in a fictional setting. Evan Goldberg's actually in it. He's like the, uh, he, boy, plays himself. Seth Rogen's, you know, best friend visiting from Canada. And I thought it was a, you know, hilarious movie. Obviously Michael Sarah's in it. He's ridiculous. Seth Rogen stars, Evan Goldberg's in it set, uh, uh, Jonah Hill's in it. So it's got a lot of the same people. And the Backstreet Boys are in it, man. The Backstreet Boys, man. What a great way to end a film. You're in heaven <laughs> dancing to the Backstreet Boys. But the movie itself to me is actually hilarious. I think it's very funny. It's very in line with the comedy that a lot of those guys do. Their, their style of comedy. Yeah, and even though the movie does get some crap for the story basically being like so fantastical that you're like, it doesn't actually make any sense, they're just having fun. And I think that translates into the comedy and into the humor, and that's really why I enjoy watching that movie. It's not because I'm like, this story is the best of all time. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's just fun to watch them be together. Yeah, for sure. Number two on my list is going to be Get Him to the Greek. And that's starring Jonah Hill. And have you seen that one? Uh, I have. I was not like a big fan of it. So I'm surprised you put it on your list. But hey, it, it, yeah, make your case. 
I actually really <laughs> like it. Um, you know, Jonah Hill is actually he's it's it's weird because he played a character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and he's actually not playing that character. But Aldous Snow, the uh, singer from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, is indeed playing himself. And it's really just kind of like a road trip film, right? It's yeah. not anything more than that plot-wise. They have a couple different devices. You know, he's having issues with, like, his girlfriend back home and, you know, trying to get this artist to be brave enough to go on stage again, things like that. But it's just a road trip film. But, you know, there's so many hijinks, and it's funny. They do, you know, there's, you know, a lot of partying and drugs and crazy characters. And I don't know, I enjoyed it. And I actually thought the, you know, the ending, the uh, story for Aldous Snow was really well done, where, you know, he's really just kind of a sad lonely person and he does a lot of these things these hijinks and drugs and you know surrounds himself with these people because he just really doesn't know what else to do he's just lonely I don't know I feel like at least story-wise that resonates and you know he's able to find some peace by the end if you haven't seen it I recommend you know checking it out you know do they get him to the Greek well you gotta watch to find out but (laughs) Number one on my list is The Night Before, and that stars Seth Rogen as one of the characters. And essentially, it's these three best friends, kind of like Superbad in a way, where they're reaching a certain point in adulthood where they're all kind of heading in different paths. And every year on Christmas Eve, they get together and hit the town in New York City and celebrate together as a family. And it's a comedy there's a lot of great scenes. I think the scene in the church is probably still to this day makes me laugh out loud. It's a Christmas movie, which you know me, <laughs> I love Christmas. Love Christmas movies. So well, and, and the other thing is it it was a little bit of an homage by the writers to uh, Home Alone. There's a couple yeah. different uh, soundtrack things, a couple different scenes that you know are an homage to Home Alone, which is one of my favorite movies. And, uh, you know, one of the things I love about Christmas movies is that they get to come up again once a year. So they don't get lost in the shuffle. So, you know, ever since I've seen it, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I've watched it every year. And now it's one of those movies that I love watching for the holidays and even sometimes not for the holidays. <laughs> OK, OK. That's a Now, to list. end our podcast to end Total Rewind, we're going to do something a little bit more offhand here. We're not even going to be talking about the movie. I just wanted to get to know you and me a little bit better and uh, maybe reminisce a little bit. But uh, <laughs> here we're going to do top three of our own, in quotes, party stories from high school. And I say in quotes because I didn't party in high school. I don't think you did either. You know, I didn't even have a beer till I was like 19. So, well, really, uh, I don't want to incriminate myself. I was 21. <laughs> okay all right all right um okay so i'll go ahead and take this list i'll I'll kick it off and number three on my list is after football games everyone in the band would go to um this house right walking distance away from the football field and i was in band i played the alto saxophone And, you know, the band performs at halftime. They're doing, you know, music from the stands and all this different stuff. So you're very involved. And, you know, you're practicing every day in the summer. Um, You get to know everybody really well, and they invite you to go to this party. Now, granted, there was, you know, some drinking at this party. No adults. It was, uh, you know, some kids would host it at a house right across the street. But it was one of those parties that, to me, 
felt like the high school parties you would see in like Superbad or American Pie or, you know, these like high school teen movies. Right. And they had a pool in the backyard. You had, you know, people jumping in the pool in their underwear. You know, girls would push guys in. Obviously, there was some drinking. I didn't drink. And it just had that that party vibe where it was like, oh, you know, if there's a girl you like, like maybe you'll see her at the party later. And it was a lot of fun. It's weird because I, I honestly, the older I got in high school, the more I felt like, you know, Seth, Evan and Fogel, like hanging out in my parents' basement. <laughs> I didn't really go to a whole lot of parties, you know. So on that note, number two for uh, parties in high school is uh, I used to host some uh, land parties, some video game parties. <laughs> Pretty nerdy, I know. I don't know that you want to put that out to the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I'm already married, so I'm taken. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it was a lot of fun. People would bring over their Xboxes or even, you know, I think I still had at that time N64. And we had a big screen in my basement. And we'd get like 10 of us together. And we actually did have a couple of uh, those long, you know, those brown tables. And we would hook up computers and actually do like a local area network, you know, where we're playing like Counter-Strike five on five against each other. It was, a, you know, a lot of fun. And yeah, there were a couple other games we played, you know, um, Doom, Team Fortress. I don't know, whatever the other games were. But, you know, the thing that was so fun about those LAN parties was you stayed up all night. You know, my good friend Sean was there a lot. of. I'm sure you were probably there at some of them at some point. I was actually not. And, well, you were probably at the ones that we had in, like, middle school where we played, like, Goldeneye. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I could do that. But I was going to say, disclaimer, though, Dustin and I went to high school for part of our high school experience together. I did not attend any of his LAN parties. That was not my thing. They were pretty dope. But what was really <laughs> fun was, yeah, we would, you know, you'd stay up all night. Um, nobody slept. You would just, and it was, in a, it was in my basement, so you could just crash out whenever, you know, bring a sleeping bag or something, sleep wherever you want. But we would, you know, you'd make, pizza rolls and hot pockets and you know (laughs) potato skins and we just ate like crap and hung out and had so much fun together you know talking shit and everything it's a lot of fun number one on my list though is um now this will sound weird but it was pierogi parties with sal (laughs) so (laughs) what does that mean it means that my junior year, I became wow. really good friends with an Italian foreign exchange student named Sal Piazza, and he was an Shout awesome guy. Sal. Yeah, Sal was the best. I've actually, he came and visited me here in LA probably like five years ago. He was, seriously, he was a foreign exchange student in high school. I was like, Sal, what are you doing here? He's like, I just quit my job and traveled the world for two months. I was like, what the hell? But Okay. <laughs> So I met up with him, you know, we had a couple beers, got some pizza and stuff. But back in high school, my friend Sean, who I mentioned, and my friend Drew, we used to always make pierogies. And they're this kind of like Italian, I don't know exactly what it is. It's like folded dough. It's like a little pocket. And we would go buy these frozen ones. We would ride our bikes or, you know, at one point, I think Drew actually had a car. I had my license, but I didn't have a car for a while. And um, we would go buy frozen pierogies. So Sal comes over one day and we get these frozen pierogies and he's like, oh, my God, no, these are trash. And we're like, dude, they're so good. And he's like, no, like, let me make you real pierogies. So we're like, "Okay, you come over next weekend and make real pierogies. Well, what I didn't know was that somehow we had implied to Sal that we were like, you got to tell everybody to come try these pierogies. So he invites all these girls. They're in like the grade above me. Right. (laughs) 
I'm a junior. He's inviting seniors over, and these girls, all these people come over to our house. And he made the best freaking pierogies I've ever had. Wow. They were amazing. So we actually had a pierogi party and, uh, you know, got a bunch of people from high school to come over, and he bought all this shit to make them and this special stuff. It was amazing. And I uh, had a great time. So thank you, Sal. <laughs> Dude. Those are good stories. I don't know that I'm going to be able to top those. Um, I'll just I'll throw out a couple really quick, but I'm I'm quite disappointed. I never had a pierogi party uh, when I was in high out. school. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time I moved back to or two, there was no back. By the time I moved to San Diego, um, all my stories are uh, in high school um, in SoCal with without you. But um, I guess number three is we used to regularly do this thing in the summer after water polo games. We would go down to the beach and we would just have a bonfire during sunset. And I mean, you know, obviously I would do that in college with you because that's like my favorite thing. What's better than hanging out with your friends, grilling some food, having a bonfire, just chilling as the sun goes down. It's like the best feeling in the world. Number two for me was... In high school, specifically on our, our, I remember our senior year hoop coming game, they, uh, after the game was over, they had this big dance and it was really, really pretty lame. Um, (laughs) So we all just went out to the parking lot. (laughs) We all went out to the parking lot and we just, uh, we just tailgated in the parking lot and just hung out and skateboarded and someone went and did an in and out run. I just remember being like, this is so much better than the actual like the organized event, event. Yeah, yeah right <laughs> and it was just totally spontaneous there was nothing to it and uh, it's funny because when i still get together with my friends from high school we always talk about this this impromptu tailgating party in the parking lot across from the school and it was uh it was a good time yeah, um those are, think... those, those are those ones that you you could try your best probably to try and replicate it another time but like it's just it was a moment in time and it, it was so fun um, and then my favorite, and I don't even know if I ever told you this story. So after like, this was like the last couple weeks of senior year, you know, after all the testing, after the yeah. AP exam, essentially it's just that last month and a half where you just show up to school to socialize with your friends and sign yearbooks. I think about two weeks from the end of school, uh, someone had this idea that everyone was going to try and spend the night at our high school. Um, and so like we orchestrated this huge, huge thing where everyone was going to go and they were going to park their cars in certain places as to not tip anyone off. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like around nine o'clock at night, like everyone started parking their, their cars, like a couple blocks from the school and everybody snuck in and we all hopped the fences and we just hung out in the big quad at, you know, the middle of the night. And that's awesome socialized and the cops actually came by and everyone was afraid that they were going to kick us out, but they were totally cool. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was one of those moments that I was That's like, wow, thinking back, I'm like, did we ever actually do that? Cause I don't know about you. There's always those moments in high school where you're like, this would be cool. And then you never have the guts to do it. And I always thought that was fun. Yeah. That, that sounds fun. Plus, you know, there's always a little bit, there's always something to, you know, doing a little risk taking that makes it a little bit more exciting where you're like, you know, Hey, other graduating classes aren't going to have that memory because most of them probably won't do it. Yeah. And so that's that. So uh, there you guys just learned a little bit more about uh, D-Man and myself. My question to you, though, 
is this, just bringing it back to super bad. Obviously we talked about our inspiration was that list of, of movies that if we were to teach a film class, we would, you know, want to uh, teach from. So my question to you is this, would you include super bad on the list of movies that everyone should see in film school and probably didn't? Cause you know, I, would. I, I would. And again, kind of like you, you expressed earlier when we were talking about the cinematography, the reasoning would be that I think, you know, teen, teen comedies um, is a genre of filmmaking. And even though it's not necessarily always the most well-regarded genre, this is kind of the perfect example of how to do a film in that genre, genre right. Now, there's a lot of other reasons why you would want to teach it. Obviously, the humor works. They implement the timeless elements that, you know, allow the movie to hold up. And you know, obviously there's great performances and, and all that. But really, I think I would definitely include that on the list simply because I think, you know, those teen, teen comedies is a, a, a subgenre of comedy. And this is the perfect example of that genre. I, I think the other thing that why, why I would include it is I think if, you know, someday when, you know, uh, we are researching cinema through the years i think super bad will always stand apart as kind of a landmark film from that you know uh the 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 2000s um yeah you know for for culturally what the world was like um what was acceptable in art which even now i mean you think that this movie could not have been made in in present day and culture um it's also a great example of you know, just kind of how movies were at the time. And so I definitely think it's uh, it's worth some, it's something that people can learn from. Plus, I would definitely like to watch Superbad in film class. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right? How fun would that be? That would be amazing. Well, all right. That, you know, kind of concludes our new format of Total Rewind. Um, I hope everyone listening, you know, enjoyed this episode. We would love, love to get your feedback. Let us know if you like this format. Please send us any of your lists and, you know, on the next episode, we'll be sure to uh, do some shout outs and go back and read some of the stuff you guys sent us. Absolutely. Find us at Film Comp Podcast or you can message us individually. I'm at NDCal5. I'm at Big Kid D-Man. Be sure to connect with us. We'll be back and uh, thank you for listening. Until next time. Have a good one.